he has the opportunity to redeem himself in the examinations. I mean, like that, that to me is just like a red rag to a bull, like that I had, that I have the opportunity through harder work to redeem myself in my, redeeming myself to a teacher. You know, this could have quite, I'm pleased to see your face leader. That's shocking to you as well. Yeah, once all the energy went there, I just was responding to what, what was needed. So for example, I could see that, um, I didn't want to tutor anyone without them having choice um, uh, on all levels, really. Choice as to whether they wanted to work with me. So this is the young people. Choice as to whether they wanted to even improve their grades at all or do any of this. Do you want your child to come out of school with confidence self-drive, self-direction, motivation, purpose? Or do you want them to come out with a load of grades that some employer that they don't even know, you know, they don't even know what job to go for. I want to encourage parents to open up to a much more profound basis um, for their children, a much more profound result from education than what we've been focused on. I will never mix teenagers and their parents, Ludo. It's like one in, one out, you know? So on the calls, even when I first meet them, I'm like, great, I'd love to meet your son. Yeah, bring him in and then like, see you later, you know? So the, you've got to get the parents out of the room. I won't have anyone listening in. You know, they have to jump in with trust and faith. Hello and welcome to the Qualified Tutor Podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest in the world of tutoring, edtech and education, and hopefully inspires in you the big change that each and every one of us is capable of. Qualified Tutor is an industry-leading tutor training organisation and online tutoring community for thousands of tutors around the world. This podcast is the voice of this community, where we aim to hear from tutors, teachers, entrepreneurs, coaches, business experts, students, tutorpreneurs, and more from the world of tutoring about what inspires them every day, how they can help tutors like you, and what they've learned about tutoring along the way. The question is, what will you learn today? Hello and welcome to the 111th episode of the Qualified Tutor Podcast. As ever, my name is Ludo Miller, the host of this podcast. Welcome back to regular listeners. Welcome to any of you for whom this is your first time listening uh, to the Qualified Tutor Podcast. And of course, a huge welcome to today's guest, Henry Dingle. Welcome to the podcast, Henry. Thanks, Ludo. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. It's a real pleasure to have you on, Henry. Um, you recently joined our community and it's been uh, a bit of a whirlwind already. You've 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 changed the lives. You've changed the the perspectives of many of our members already with with your wonderful thoughts and and comments. Um, and really, being uh, a guest on this podcast is the natural progression uh, of that. Um, but you know, having looked back through uh, the work you've done in the tutoring uh, industry over the past. 15 years, Henry, it's really quite extraordinary. Uh, and you've been there doing uh, online tutoring and running webinars longer than, than most people. So um, we owe a huge amount, I think, in this industry to the work that you uh, and also uh, Atul uh, Rana uh, have been doing over the past kind of 10, 15 years. Um, 
just as a brief introduction, um, so you, our listeners, can 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 uh, contextualise um, Henry uh, a little bit and, and why we brought him on. Um, Henry is, is the founder of, of Young Fire Academy, uh, and as I just mentioned there, he he co-founded the uh, the Indie Tutors uh, Network alongside uh, past podcast guest um, Atul Rana, uh, and. And through this offers a very uh, refreshing and, and innovative take on, on how an educator can approach the learning relationship with their parents, uh, sorry, with their students, and also crucially, um, the, the parents of their students too. Um, Henry has a, a pretty wonderful knack of combining uh, practical um, and experience-led understanding of, of what makes children and parents tick with a deep methodical philosophy to, to back it up as you will no doubt find out he's an eloquent uh, intelligent speaker and and writes about the craft of education in a very uh, thoughtful way uh, which as I mentioned is not surprising perhaps given Henry's many years uh, in the tutoring field so Henry we are very very glad to have you to have you on um, and any uh, listeners of the uh, episodes of the podcast over the few recent episodes will have worked out that we we, we are starting episodes in a new way of late uh, and that is by me asking guests if they have any old school reports that they can locate in the in the in the treasure chests of their of their homes or more more recently the the, the homes of their parents so henry over to you for the next uh, few minutes or so to read through some old school reports that you found <laughs> well, first of all, Ludo, yeah, thank you for your amazing introduction. Wow, I'm very flattered um, by by that way of contextualizing me and, and introducing me. It's um, not clear to me in some ways, like uh, that I've been contributing to the industry, but I, I I can see I can see myself also through that that those. Uh, it's just a really lovely perspective, you know. I've always felt like. Um, quite an outlier, I suppose, in the education industry, uh, probably similar to many other tutors. You know, you feel like you do a lot of your work on your own and increasingly I have done a lot more collaborative work with Atul and with others. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really fun to look at cultural change and industry change in that way that we're all, we're all contributing with, with everything that we do, especially when we show up in forums like yours. It was amazing to join the festival and to be aware of this um, tutoring community. You know, we tried, Atul and I tried to start tutoring community way back. I don't know when that was, maybe five, six years ago. And so, yeah, kudos to you and just it's so great to see it happening. You know, we, we just wanted it to exist, to be honest. We didn't really necessarily want to be running it, but we, we really wanted it for ourselves and we knew it, it was what was needed for the, for the community and for the industry. So, yeah, it's just great that this is all coming about. And um, thank you for your very flattering intro. Yeah, school reports. All right. Yeah, I mean, we... We talked a little bit before we started rolling the recording here. And yeah, for me, it's very interesting to read school reports because it I, I, it feels like I'm reading them for the first time. That they, they kind of, it's interesting that they're not really, they're mostly a communication between the teachers and the parents. And um, in, in that, I pick up on a lot of the languaging in these reports that is to do with the old ways of doing things, you know, probably by the time we finish this podcast, that'll be kind of clear on my perspective there on our current institutions and systems and ways of relating to young people and each other. 
Um, so yeah, uh, you know, my reports aren't like funny in that kind of way to me. I read them and I'm like, wow, it brings up a lot, you know, it brings up quite a lot from a very happy childhood, a very happy schooling in many ways. You know, I was a, I was a good fit. I could do everything that I needed to do academics, sports, music, whatever, you know, I just, I, I was into it all. And yet when I read these reports, it just, it, it, it reminds me why I'm doing the work I'm doing now. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's just things like, you know, it's all just basically just reports that just say he needs to knuckle down, you know, he needs like, he needs, an, or someone to knuckle him down, you know, he needs controlling, he, he needs like, well, let me see if I can pick out an actual sentence. It says, um, yeah, he has the opportunity to redeem himself in the examinations. I mean, like that, that to me is just like a red rag to a bull, like that I had, that I have the opportunity through harder work to redeem myself in my, redeeming myself to a teacher. You know, this could quite, I'm pleased to see your face, leader. That's shocking to you as well. But, you know, teachers can often, teachers can often have that sense of like being in that position of power and that communication between the parent, I think can often fly like that. Um, a strict morning regime in Putney would not go amiss, you know, like that kind of thing for revision, you know, old school. I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid forties and I'm speaking to someone who's like nearly half my age, you know, 20 years younger than me. So, and maybe many others listening, but that was very typical, I would say in, in that day. And I, I know it still goes on now. One other report was from an art teacher and I, I wasn't a great artist in terms of like uh, visual art, but, um, just this, this is a great snapshot of how I feel my whole life has been. Henry's worked steadily throughout the half, experiencing periods of euphoria and despair. His intelligent and creative approach to his work is producing good things with considerable potential. It's mostly the euphoria and despair in some ways from that. And obviously my great excitement about what I feel I can do in the world. And um, that's what's really coming about now, just these last five years or so, really evolving a bit away from tutoring. So, you know, I, I've had my foundations in tutoring, more than 15 years of tutoring, you know, I was a musician for a long time. And so the tutoring and music went hand in hand for a long time. And now the considerable potential, you know, I feel like something is really bubbling up for me. Um, and yeah, like you say, it really relates to the whole family. It relates especially to parenting culture. I'm a father myself with a nine-year-old and an eight-year-old. And yeah, my whole offer has changed from tutoring to um, mentorship, coaching, um, certainly parent coaching uh, alongside working with teens. And the academic side is there still. I'm still a specialist maths and English tutor, GCSE level. Um, but it's it's often not even on the table. I, I run a 12-week program, and it, for many people, it's not even in the list of goals um, to do anything there. So I, I, I'm also more and more finding myself in the in the coaching, straight coaching, maybe could, could even call it life coaching role. I don't really associate with that label either. I'm not trained in life coaching, um, but, you know, I feel some sort of gap there for young people where they don't want to see a therapist, they don't want to see a counsellor. I do feel like I get great results with some of those, you know, very specifically who don't need a professional. I have to say that, first of all, I know when it's not me and I know when they need to see someone who is trained. But, yeah, somewhere along the line there, it's just um, marrying 
academic pressures. I basically try and get the parents to back off and to enable the teens to step up and take more ownership of their lives um, through their schooling years. Yeah. So, yeah. Go on. Henry, can I can I can I can I jump in there? Yes, I'd, right, yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to ask where does that where does that come all come from? Why tutoring? Why, why did you start doing what you do now? Yeah, I mean, it was re- well. I was a musician, and I was looking for a job in a call center because I, I didn't have any money. And I ran into a friend, a guy at a party, and he just said, "Oh, wow, yeah, well, you know, good luck with the." Good luck with the call center job, which was starting the next day. You know, it was a terrible fit for me. I think he could probably tell that. And I was just, I just didn't have a way of making income whilst I was writing songs, which which I did for, you know, 15 years or something. I was a songwriter. And he said, oh, I'm tutoring, you know, 25 pounds an hour. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure you could interview with my, it was an agency. And I just couldn't believe it. I actually couldn't believe that you could work with a a child one-on-one and teach them and make that kind of money when you could wipe like cafe tables down for five or six pounds an hour at the time it probably was so I was like wow okay that was just immediately obviously very appealing not just for the money but the nature of the work but Ludo I, I, I downplayed my love of teaching for a long time because I was a full power musician I was 100% committed to that career and that that um that craft so um it, it just was there that was my bread earner that was how I made my money I was greatly relieved to step away from the abstract nature of music making and, you know, time in the studio and just the endless designs of things and whatever. And into just, right, here's an hour, here's a kid. He needs to know trigonometry. And at the end of it, you get 25 quid or 50 quid or whatever it is. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, not for, again, it was useful money, but it was mostly the concrete nature of it as well. It was a job that needed to be done. And I think it just kept me sane whilst I was fumbling around in the music business. Um, you know, to just go in and do a job for someone else. There was something about service in that, that it wasn't so focused on me wasn't at all focused on me that was a great relief and so I I really I don't think I would have managed to be a musician for that long without without the the real good work of of being with young people and and trying to help in that family set up as well yeah yeah so so where did where did the focus on parents and and parental support come from then from Mm -hmm. working with the student to more focusing on the entire family education where, where did that transition come from yeah I mean it, it all came from just need it all came from um once I want I mean for all the way through my music career as well I just presumed I wouldn't be tutoring the next year for example I was always like I won't be doing this anymore next year and that went on for 15 years or something and I was still <laughs> still very much tutoring and the music was not you know it wasn't replacing the tutoring so I just carried on for years and years and years doing that but I wasn't really putting any great thought into you know the tutoring evolved it still nourished me it somehow still excited me to be doing it and never became a burden which surprised me um but it it evolved steadily until I then completely stopped being interested in music anymore I just was done with it 
And once I was just putting all my attention and love and interest into education, which was kind of what I wanted to do with music as an aside, I wanted to write that kind of music that educated. I wanted to write that kind of lyric that moved things along for everyone, me included, changed things. Um, yeah, once all the energy went there, I just was responding to what, what was needed. So, for example, I could see that um, I didn't want to tutor anyone without them having choice. Um, uh, on all levels, really, choice as to whether they wanted to work with me. So this is the young people, choice as to whether they wanted to even improve their grades at all or do any of this. So that was, I wanted, I, I eventually just started drawing these lines in the sand where I just would not work with anyone who couldn't meet me in my way of offering my offer. So that was one thing. The students had to be up for it. They had to want to do it. And I also just had to start imposing myself as an authority on on the parents as well, <laughs> you know, not wanting to um, become the controller that I've referred to from my from my past, but more just that I knew so much about this area. I'd spent so much time in family settings and with listening to parents and listening to to teenagers and younger. I, I really. I just knew what I was doing. I just knew what I thought was needed. And it was really against the grain often for what I was being hired for. So the parents would often come in and they would have an idea, but I just knew I knew better than them. I knew I knew that they actually needed to sometimes do the opposite of what they were thinking was going to be the solution. And so often parents would come in and the solution is just loads of extra hours of tutoring, just tutor, tutor, just tutor, just tutor my kid, like get the grades, get the grades, just tutor him or her, you know, and, uh, you know, what we need here is like knuckling down, you know, we need like harder work, we need whatever, you know, and I, I need to hire someone who's just going to make them work harder. So I, I knew at that point, that actually some of these parents really needed to be told. They needed to be told that that was a disastrous approach to educating someone for the long term or the short term, that motivation would never come like that. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I, my, my offer now, the parents really come in and, and I, I pitch it as a leap of faith into trust, you know, that they really need to, if they're having these issues with confidence, motivation, those are the typical areas that are working with their child. The high likelihood in my experience is that they've just had far too much being told what to do at home and at school. These are the systems we have in place. That's the parental culture of our times, the helicoptering sort of approach, more or less, even if it's very sugar-coated, still that's what we're doing. And same at school. So I offer the young people a complete break from that. So that's why I offer a relationship where they come in and I'm not going to tell them what to do. It's up to them. They have to say, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to do this. And this is what we're going to do. They have to do that with me, build that with me. But it's what's interesting, Ludo, to, uh, to answer your question and wrap this um, answer up is that the parents don't know that they really need someone in their life to just go like some of them they just need to be told like actually you've got to go the opposite direction this is a transitional change for you not just for your child this is a moment when you need to really go i actually can't control i can't i i literally can't because they'll tell me that they won't do it <laughs> but also when i do control i just get worse and worse and worse results you know we're trying to set people up for life 
not just for the next set of exams. We're trying to we're trying to build their confidence and their platform for self-direction, which is the big shift I think needs to happen in education. And if we keep just pushing them up each mountain and through each hoop and whatever, they come out with nothing. They come out with no self-leadership, no maturity, no ownership, no responsibility. <laughs> I don't think the grades mean a lot in the wake of that. So this has been my great kind of um, obsession the last five years or so. Yeah, long answer. So no, 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 perfect answer. I, I've I've got two important threads that I want to pull on from the answer there. And I, to be honest, I don't know which question to ask first because they both they both relate to what you said. But I'm going to go with this one um, a little more. A fairly blunt question, Henry. Um, but do you think then? that the mainstream education system is more important for the parent than for the student? Um, well, I would say we... I would be quite brutal about how education has been set up and what function it fulfills in society and always has done, which is mostly to put the children somewhere so that the parents can go to work so I think, you know, our education systems, just to be really brutal, we try and do a lot of good things within that structure, but children have to go to school so that parents can work in some ways. So we're a bit stuck in that <laughs> setup because there is no choice in that. There isn't the openness and the love and the nurturing of children that, I mean, of course, we all try our best. Any teachers listening to this, I'm with you all the way. This isn't about anyone being to blame but it's just to look at the system as a whole um so yeah i think schools serve the parents in in that in that way that we all have that need we have to go out and work we need to make our money or whatever but um yeah i i don't know how else to answer that question it's a great question i'm sure but that's all i really get from it is this well i i think like way back before we kind of look at who it serves best I certainly do meet a lot of parents who I think are just trying to get a certain result out of the education system for their child, which I don't think serves anyone. So like I say, if anyone is a teacher, you know, this system, I don't think it serves anyone. I actually don't think the, stu the students are well served. I don't, th I don't think the teachers are in the right setup. I don't, think, I don't think the platform's right for anyone in a way for ultimate flourishing, of course, Lots of people are doing great work. Lots of schools are getting great results in a profound way as well as a superficial way. So I'm not denying any of everyone's great work, but I, I really think everyone would be better if we could jump ship into a much more enlightened kind of era of education and everyone had much more freedom, autonomy, and could develop purpose, which is what is needed in the workplace. That's what's needed in the employment going forward. But we're just not there yet. We're not doing that yet. We're not ready for, we're not, we're gonna, the change is going to be quite slow, which Ludo also is a reason why I think I've ended up focusing on parents. I'm not focused on schools. I'm not focused on governments. I'm interested in grassroots parental culture shift, basically. I want the parents to know, first of all, that they don't have to grind their kids through this grade system. They don't have to worry about all of that as much as they do, that it, that it isn't the be-all and end-all for their kids' future. You know, you might, it's not even the be-all and end-all for their children's future when they come to interview for a job, I don't think. 
But when you look back to what I was talking about before, do you want your child to come out of school with confidence, self-drive, self-direction, motivation, purpose? Or do you want them to come out with a load of grades that some employer that they don't even know, you know, they don't even know what job to go for. So it's very interesting right now where we're at because we're still a bit hooked to the old system. We're all still a bit obsessed with the measurables and all that kind of thing. But it's really not... um, it's it's losing its uh, appeal, I think, to many people. And I want to encourage parents to open up to a much more profound basis um, for their children, a much more profound result from education than what we've been focused on with grades and the, the rest of it, yeah. So when did you realise then that, that the areas of confidence building and relationship in tutoring might be more important than tutoring children for academic success i mean i just couldn't bear to be with young people where 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 we where we weren't all completely free you know i just wanted us all to be free i also didn't want the strict i didn't want i i could feel the kind of the 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 limitations coming into my to my work to my way of operating so I, i present myself entirely freely to all of the young people i meet partly because I've brokered that situation for myself. You know, the parents don't have me on a payroll, for example. So many students I've had over the years, or a few of them I can think of, just they've called me out on that and gone, yeah, but, you know, you're on like £50 pounds an hour, £80 pounds an hour, whatever. That's why you're doing, you know, we've ended up there where I've had, to, I've had to say, you know, like I'm not, you know, you can end up being a, a person, another person in a young person's life who's just being paid like teachers, to, you know, so there isn't that sense of like, we're doing this together. We're all volunteer. We're all, we all want to be here. So I've needed to like remove all of these different, um, different ways in which the, yeah, somehow I just know that we need to be, we can trust, we can trust young people. We don't have to make them do anything. We don't have to fear that they're not, you know, if you, this is so obvious probably to everyone, but, you know, if you look at babies, they are absolutely predisposed to learn. We are born, all of us, predisposed to learn. Anyone who's listened, listened to Sir Ken Robinson or listened to any of this kind of stuff, we know that there's, we're born with just like ultimate appetite for learning, including French, English, geography, history, whatever, including all that. But the more we remain in this culture, these cultures and systems, sometimes the more we can lose that and the more that just becomes so hard to come by. You just, and so parents are in this difficult position where they're wondering like, why, how, why is my child not motivated to do these 10 GCSE subjects? Like what's happened? What's gone wrong? And so I, I knew that the, the kindest thing to do with that gig was to, to create an environment for myself and for my students and for the parents where we could be free of all of that. When you're hired as a tutor, a lot of people I think would still feel like the parents are then in control of that. So they're the ones paying. So they're the ones that then kind of have the ultimate authority today. I mean, that, but so that, that, that was. Yeah, one of the first things that kind of I had to remove. I just couldn't do it like that. I knew too much. I knew too much about, you know, probably about five years ago or so. I just, I, these, there've been various things. Choice was a massive thing. I was like, wow, okay, I ha- they, they have to have choice. If, we don't, if we're not giving them any choice about whether they're going to be here or what they're going to do, 
then I knew we'd lost them. We'd lost, we just end up then just when it were tutoring us then just a kind of lame extension of a lame system. So, um, yeah, there've been quite a few breakthroughs like that for me, especially over the last five years. And, um, the parenting one has just opened up more and more and more. I've got parenting groups now. I run parenting calls for all parents who know that the nagging, micromanaging, the coercion, the controlling is not working for them and it's not going to work. It's a lifestyle that they don't want to have as parents anymore and it's getting terrible results in terms of motivation for, for schooling for their children. So then great, they come into the Young Fire Academy and they, we hang out together every week. We have just a kind of Q&A call once a week where they just share what their experience is with their child. And of course, for half of them, I'm working with their children as well. So then I have completely separate relationships, totally separate. I will never mix teenagers and their parents, Ludo. It's like one in, one out. You know. So on the calls, even when I first meet them, I'm like, great, I'd love to meet your son. Yeah, bring him in and then like, see you later. You know? so the, you've got to get the parents out of the room. I won't have anyone listening in you know they have to jump in with trust and faith we make sure that we make sure the safeguarding and the gdpr and all the kind of you know the dbs checks that everyone's okay with that and they, then they've just got to go okay henry i trust you go for it so um yeah yeah <laughs> henry perhaps you've touched on a few of these already um but i'd like to hear i'd like to hear it straight from you what do you see are the cornerstones of effective tutoring and, and, and mentoring? Relationship. So relationship-based learning is what it could be called, I suppose. So, you know, fundamentally, one other permission that I feel I've bought myself is the ability to just do anything I like with the hour that I'm with a child. There is absolutely no hammer that comes down in my sessions for like now it's work time. So, I don't have a sense of guilt if half an hour into the session, we're still just talking, you know, that the student is still just talking to me and it all comes from the student. So I'm not going to fill the hour with my talk. I'm responding to whatever they want to bring into that space and into that relationship, into that session. So yeah, we do all of that first every time. That's how we warm up. We just kind of chat with each other. I wait to hear what's what's been said. And often that's way more important than any sort of study we could do that day sometimes. But, you know, otherwise it's 10 or 15 minutes. We get to know each other. They know me. My kids might come in and they meet my kids. And it's completely, you know, all of that I know is like as powerful as any maths or English I could do that they, we really know each other. You know, I'm not just a tutor for hire. I'm not someone who's just going to do the gig whilst I'm being paid for it and then walk away. Everyone who comes into the young fire Academy, they are with me for life in some ways. You know, I want to be in touch with them down the line. I want to know what they're doing in two years time, five years time. I want to know how it all plays out because we've made a quite a profound change in the family. Usually by the time I've finished with them or the time they finished with me. So I want to know how is that self-direction and responsibility and maturity? How is the self-direction now? How independent are they? And that is so heartening for me to, to hear all of those results down the line. Um, so yeah, relationships, massive. Um, I mean, the four, the four cornerstones of my own program, a relationship mindset, um, coaching for the young people. So often that's to do with, um, well, starting from 
do you want to leave school? <laughs> like that might be the opening of just like, let's quit. Why don't we quit? You know, we'll do something else. And um, none of them want to do that. You know, it's very rare. It's a very rare boldness for someone to just quit pre-GCSEs or whatever, become an entrepreneur. It's possible, but I just want to open it up for them. So a lot of mindset stuff around purpose, why bother to do it for me? Like if you don't enjoy your studies that you shouldn't probably do it, like uh, you have to access the enjoyment. That's the only way to be a student in any way you can is to access what could bring it to life for you and that you have that responsibility. Actually, you have that responsibility to try and find the enjoyment. You also have a responsibility to work with your teacher, like not against your teacher. That's a, you know, when you've got a class, it's against their teacher. It's a waste, a complete waste of everybody's time. So I, I don't want to play along with that. So I, I call them out on that kind of stuff. If they're negative about a teacher, negative about a subject, I really work with them on that relationship, whether it's with a, a thing or a person. Um, and then the parent coaching obviously is separate, not to do with the, the actual tutoring. Yeah. And otherwise, of course, yes, yeah, specialist maths and English tuition. You know, I'm an essay writing teacher. Like I love to teach people how to think effectively, how to plan how to write. I love the writing part, but especially, yeah, how to make, like an essay can be a horrible thing. Um, you know, people can really, uh, all of us, I think I, I've felt that in the past, just, wow, what a, what a challenge and what a kind of nightmare, what a burden until I've got it done. <clears throat> so what, I want to help students really understand the profound value of that. It's not just an exercise in getting a grade or getting it done, you know, uh, which is definitely a part of our system, those two rewards, just getting it out the way and getting something, some reward for it. What's the real reward? Like what's the real, what's the real deep reward of doing an essay? Like I feel like I know what that is. I know what that is for, for people, you know, ha being able to think and respond to a, any kind of essay question, they're bound to be complex. And in one minute, lay out your five answers. Like I think this, that, you know, bare as daylight, this, 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 and this, and then pad it out with some examples, some evidence, some quotes, whatever. That's the thrill. It's like, I, I, I read this essay. It was totally overwhelming, completely. had no idea what to say to begin with. And I sat in that space for five minutes and effectively meditated <laughs> and came up with five broad-reaching responses to the question. And those are my paragraphs. That's my essay. And that is going to be so much better than most other people's <laughs> essays because you've actually taken the time to think about it. So, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with these tools for students that they can think, that they can take the time to think. A lot of them can't. Culturally, it's all too fast-paced. They're not being invited even to do that, to really sit and think and to not know, to be in that space of not knowing. 30 seconds of still not knowing what else to say, you know, and just hanging in there, just going, okay, what else? What else could I? So I, that's what I'm into with this, with the tutoring as well as some, um, same with maths. Can they just settle down enough to not throw marks and make mistakes, you know, throw marks away all over the place, making silly mistakes galore, poor processing. So I'm obsessed with processing going from all the stuff we've all heard for decades, teachers saying, read the question show you're working, you know, like that kind of, all that kind of stuff. The reason why we're told that is because otherwise we're all over the place. It's a mess. It's unfulfilling. It's, un, it's unreliable. 
Um, you know, so I, I'm kind of really trying to stir up for them the profound meaning of studying. I don't think anything else is going to do it for them. I, I don't bring in any any sort of like, you've just got to do it because now's the time. And, you know, if you don't get your grades, you won't then be able to go to this next school and you won't get a job and bullshit. I, in a way, for a lot of people, I think, I want them to really get why they would do it. And then get the grades as well. I understand we live in the UK, or at least you and I do. There's a system out there. You know, they might need those. I want them to have good, I want them to have good self-worth. I want them to think, yeah, I'm a six or a seven or I'm an eight or a nine. I want them to be reflected in their grades. But wow, it's a totally different route to getting them than than cramming or something, for example. Yeah. I think that's you said 10, 20, 50 things there, Henry, that that have really made me think and will really be making, I hope, our listeners think about how to become a more effective tutor, how to see the true value of tutoring, how to see their student being the most important part of that relationship. Um, I think that's that's these are obviously things that you've gained over over your 15 years of tutoring and probably much before that, as, as you said, reading out the school reports there, you know, it's clear that these things were in your mind, perhaps even subconsciously from, from a very young age, even if you never felt that those reports were for you. I think, I think that in itself is such an important thing to understand is that school reports, they're not aimed at the student. And, and, and perhaps that's, perhaps that's a, a, an obvious thing. Perhaps school reports are just for the parent, but the student doesn't take them in. They don't remember them. They don't listen to them. I, I think that's the way that you read out those ones at the start was, was really striking. Um, Can I say one thing to that? <clears throat> I think it's because, you know, my, my, I'm, I'm in the world of Daniel Pink at the moment. He's a commentator on motivation. I can see you know him. So, yeah, extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. Um, you know, a reward is an, is an outside, uh, sorry, a report is an, is an outside sort of reward. It's something that you, you validates you from the outside. You know, it's like having a big house. You want to have a big house or a car or, you know, you want to earn lots of money and have all these extrinsic, like outside um, rewards, things to show for your work. Some people operate like that. That's what motivates them. Many people aren't motivated by that, you know, so the I know I'm one of those people. I've never done any work that hasn't interested me. I just, uh, it's not how I'm wired. And I know that that kind of motivation is unstoppable. Like if you can align with that kind of motivation, you are an unstoppable force. So I, that's how I feel right now um, in my work. And I do wish for everyone to have that kind of for themselves, certainly the young people I'm working with. So yeah, many of them are not, and especially in this day and age, Ludo, I think something's changing about the world, not just the pandemic, but just generally, this has been accelerating for a long time. The workplace is changing. And, you know, so those kind of outside rewards, a bigger paycheck, a better, better report, just they just don't, they, they are not going to be getting better results. In fact, a lot of the science shows that they get worse results. You get worse results the more, the more there's that interference of outside rewards going on uh, in amongst your natural drives. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm keen to kind of help my students with. That's why I'm on the trip of, um, 
really trying to just look at the value of an essay in and of itself, the value of doing good maths in and of itself in that, in that hour. I want every single session with a student to be the kind of session that they want to come back back to you know i have crazy visions of like how schools could look in the future you know like that teachers should earn the attention of their students <laughs> you know that you would have just a teacher and it's optional you know and in democratic schooling that's the case you know students can choose to take it or leave it and i love that and you know i love that they can just like go actually you know what it's more interesting to go in to see like mr mr miller and do maths or to see ludo it would probably be in a, a democratic schooling setup <laughs> more interesting to go and do maths with ludo than it is to just lie around and whatever just be on my own you know that's where everyone is or whatever it is i love that idea game changing there is a wonderful organization called progressive education who are writing about and, and, and advocating for uh, free and de de democratic schooling. Henry, I, I love that you've mentioned that because we're hoping to get a member of their team onto the podcast soon. So that's a great segue. And to help you find out more about the Qualified Tutor podcast, here's a word from last week's guest, Pablo Bui, about what he enjoyed about being a guest on the Qualified Tutor podcast and a word that he'd have for any future guests. Qualified Tutor podcast has given me valuable insight of what I do and how it can impact on others. It has brought me an exciting new experience, which is recording a podcast. And I had also looked back on my teenage years from a funny perspective. Upcoming guests, do not hold anything and let it all out. Um, Henry, we're just coming to a close here, um, but I've, I'm, I've got time for one more question for you. If your answer is 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 brief, brief. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is which is what is next for Henry Dingle? Oh, great! That's 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 probably less interesting in some ways than the theory because of my <laughs> wiring. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so much about myself like that. Um, but of course, I have plans. I work very closely with my wife. So on the Young Fire Academy, she's also Montessori trained. We're both, you know, our kids are going to Montessori school in Cardiff when we move there. So yeah, we're, we're both in education and excited for expanding the Young Fire Academy to be a vehicle for shifting culture for parents so like I said I'm interested in grassroots change I think that's where the change is going to happen I think that kind of force could really change schooling culture and government uh, policy faster than most things so yeah what's next is expanding the Young Fire Academy we have currently 15 or 20 families on our books and I work one-to-one -one with the students and in group settings with the parents and a bit one-to-one -one with the parents as well and we'd like to really open that up so that it's more like 100 people this year going more into kind of group um, group coaching, both for the young, both for the teens and for the, for the parents. And what's exciting about that is that it's not like group maths for the teens. It will be as well. It'll be exactly like the one-to-one -one sessions, but it'll be also a real cultural hub. So it's an empowerment hub. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, culture it's a community it's going to be a culture and community of young people and i know despite my 
yeah, actually it's not 15 years in tutoring. It's probably more like 25. I say 15 so that people think I'm younger. Um, but yeah, despite all that, um, yeah, despite my age, I still feel able to hold that space with teens uh, um, and, and allow them to just be with each other. You know, there, there are, there are two reasons why I was hesitant to send my own children to school. One was the pedagogy, the, the educational style, and the other was just the culture in general, the culture of our children when they're all put into a schooling setting and it's not held and not guided well enough. So I'm excited to also hold that space with teens where we can really speak up and step up and empower a much more positive way of them relating to themselves and each other. So, yeah, it's going to be the expansion of Young Fire Academy and maybe writing a book. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you, look at you, inviting yourself back for a second appearance on the Qualified <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> oh, gosh, if I ever write a book, Lude, I'll be so, again, it'll be one of those pinch myself moments. I, mm-hmm. I will do it, but it's going to feel surreal because mm-hmm. I know that's a huge undertaking and yeah i'd love to come back for the book launch episode thank you for the invitation (laughs) (laughs) um listeners that that, don't wait until the book launch to get in touch with henry if you are interested in what he's been saying youngfireacademy.com is the place to go um, to find out more about about Henry and, and, and the Young Fire Academy and to read through through that website to find out more about Henry, to read um, his musings and writings on tutoring and education and, and the education system. Um, he has also been on, uh, recently been on the Modern Education Movement podcast. Um, you can find those links um, in the show notes below. In fact, there's many more links to his masterclass video, to his Facebook group, there's so much that Henry does and has done, um, and, and you can find out more just by looking in the description of this podcast. Henry, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you said that we wouldn't be able to do all of this in 25 minutes, and you were absolutely right. Um, there's <laughs> not a problem with that at all. I'm sure people don't mind listening an extra 10, 15 um, minutes to what you're saying. I hope you enjoy talking about what you do. I've absolutely loved it. And yeah, my aim right from the beginning was to be the longest episode. (laughs) So yeah, bring it on. That's great. No, Ludo, thank you so much. And for for, for all of you in the community, it really is. um, Having been a part of Indie Tutors, it's really, really special to see it done really well and properly and by the right people. And I I mean that completely. Uh, It's not what I actually, we just wanted it. We wanted this so much for professional development for tutors and just literally Atul and I for ourselves we were um one-on-one for a long time Atul and I and then we invited a few other people in that kind of went from there but it's it's extremely um beneficial for tutors to have these ways of communicating with each other and developing each other and upping the game and and just yeah it's it's very exciting what you're doing so thanks to all of you Raising standards in tutoring together. If you haven't heard that line, then you don't know enough about qualified tutor. (laughs) Um, Henry, thank you so much. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed um, hearing about what Henry does uh, and and what he thinks about tutoring. Um, We will see you all next time. Cheerio, Henry. Bye now. Thanks, Dudo. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Qualified Tutor Podcast. Whether you're a regular listener of this podcast or you've just stumbled across it, join the Qualified Tutor Podcast group within the Qualified Tutor community 
to stay up to date with our latest news, offers, workshops, and of course, simply to meet other tutors like you. Whatever your level as a tutor, our training courses will be the next step in your professional development. Visit qualifiedtutor.org training to find out more about our CPD accredited and Ofqual recognised courses, the first of their kind in the tutoring industry. Your student deserves the best tutor possible. Make that happen today by joining Qualified Tutor.